All right. Hey, listen, all sites and venues, loud applause for Blackhawk Fitchburg's 10th anniversary. Let's let them hear us. Yes, Blackhawk Fitchburg. Yeah. Woo! All right. Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. 10 years has gone by so quick, and we just thank God. To God and God alone deserves the praise for what's happened. As Matt said, it takes a lot of people to make uh, what happened happen. So we just praise God, and to him and to him alone goes all the glory and the, and the honor and the praise. So thank you, Lord, for what you've done. So many answers to prayer. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. You wouldn't believe it. Absolutely, amen. Hey, listen, uh, my name's Chris. Did I say that already? No. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors on the teaching team here at Blackhawk Church. Welcome to those of you in the room with me. Those of you who are at Blackhawk Fitchburg, obviously. Those of you who are downtown. Those of you who are in the gospel venue and traditions. And those of you who are online, whether you're in Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania, or Prescott, Arizona, doesn't matter. We're so glad that you are with us uh, today. And we are continuing in this series, uh, Live This uh, Book. And um, we were in the Old Testament until last week. We started in September, and we were in the Old Testament for a long time. And then last week, Pastor Matt moved us into the New Testament and it's, last week was the first of six Sundays on the main character in the New Testament, and his name is? Jesus. When I do this, you can participate in the message itself, okay? Main character in the New Testament is? Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And so this message is like um, part B uh, to Matt's message. So uh, the messages go together like two sides of uh, the same coin. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about the fact that Jesus is God, 100% God, absolutely. And today, my talk is that Jesus is a human being, 100%, absolutely. He's very unique. He's both God and human at the same time. Pastor Matt talked about a complicated theological world called the hypostatic union that finds what we're talking about today. He's also human. So what comes into your mind when you think about Jesus? What do you picture when someone says Jesus? I mean, this is a church, and we've already sang about him. You've spoken his name already in this worship service. So Let's think about that. What comes into your mind? Just think about that for a second. Jesus. You think about a person with a lot of children around him? Do you think about a person maybe on the clouds? Do you think about someone who's walking down a dirty street with lots of people around him? What? Jesus. For many of us who are older, when someone says uh, the name Jesus, we might think of this picture right here. It's a portrait uh, painted in 1941 by Warner Solomon. And literally, there are about a half a billion of these images of Jesus uh, around the globe. And the church that my grandma and grandpa went to in southern Illinois, uh, this portrait was in the very front of the sanctuary. 
So when you came in and looked, there was a cross, and then there was something that said hymn number, and then it gave the numbers, and then there was this. And you. So when I grew up, I was thinking of that. For many of us today, when someone says Jesus, you may think of this person right here. So this is Jonathan Rumi, the actor who plays the lead role of Jesus in uh, the streaming uh, movies uh, called The Chosen, came out in 2017. Very powerful series. If you haven't seen The Chosen, I'd recommend it. So he's a great actor. Uh, He's actually 48 years old. I don't know if you knew that or not. And uh, that might surprise you because he's actually tall He's tall and handsome, isn't he? No offense to 48-year-olds in the room right here. Sorry. <laughs> Going to get some emails on that one right there. I'm sorry. sorry about that. Uh, but uh, he's tall and handsome, isn't he? I mean, if you were going to put together a successful movie series about Jesus, the lead character is going to probably look something. He's going to be tall and handsome because you want a lot of people to click on and all that. But that's not what Jesus actually look like. (laughs) He was not tall and handsome, at least according to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah writes this, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. That's from Isaiah 53. It was written 700 years before Jesus walked around the streets of Nazareth. It's a prediction, a prophecy about what he would look like. We have no physical description of Jesus in the Bible anywhere. It's interesting, isn't it? In a world of Instagram, the most popular human beings ever lived. We really don't know what he looked like. But I would lean a lot into Isaiah's words that he was probably someone that you would not stand, he would not stand out in a crowd. He was very common looking. What I'm saying is this, is that if Jesus, the real Jesus, was to uh, apply for the part of Jesus in the, the series, The Chosen, he wouldn't get the part. They wouldn't even let him read for the part because he looked homely. Someone you don't want to look at. Very common. That's the idea. If we could get in a time capsule and go back to Nazareth and you kind of go around the streets of Nazareth and you ask for Jesus, well, that would be silly. (laughs) Jesus, we know Jesus, right, is an English word. We, right, we know that, right? It's not his name. Okay. Hebrew, Yeshua. So go around, Jesus, Jesus. People are like, what are you talking about? It's just Yeshua. Where's Yeshua? Where's, where's Yeshua? And then somebody would say, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're looking for uh, the guy that fixed my aunt's broken chair when my overweight uncle sat on it too heavy and it broke. He, he's in this very popular carpenter shop because they do really good work. And you go in and you, and you meet Yeshua. And he's like down on his hands and knees and he's, he's working with wood. He's got splinters in his hands. Maybe, maybe his, hands are, his hands are probably rough. He's got sawdust in his hair. He's got muscular hands. 
rough hands. Have you ever shaken hands with a carpenter who had soft hands? He'd been working. He's, he probably smells, actually. <laughs> He's got body odor. You know, showers like we have today, they didn't exist back. You know that, right? And the deodorants that we have and all that kind of stuff, they didn't have that back then. So he probably smells. He went to the bathroom. Did you guys know that? When he ate beans, the same thing happened to him. What? Right? Right? Why would that happen to him? Because he's, he's human. Can you imagine being new to Blackhawk right now? People going, why? I've never heard a message like this. Who is this guy? Why? He's human. And it's so obvious. But we miss that. And that's what makes a message like this so hard in this series. Because it's hard to talk about Jesus in church because, well, we're in church. And the name of Jesus is so familiar to us that we lose his humanity, if you follow. That's why you laughed when I said he would go to the bathroom. We're so familiar with the name Jesus that we miss his humanity. It's right there in the text, you guys. And we read over it. We, we miss it. We don't see it. It's like this. I'm very familiar with looking at myself in a mirror. I do it all the time. And I, uh, I went to the doctor some years ago, and uh, I had a sore shoulder, sore shoulder. And I went to my doctor to see if she could kind of help me with my sore shoulder. And you know when you go to the doctor, they give you one of those uh, shirts, not like this, but a backwards shirt, you know, they put on and it doesn't tie in the back. Nobody can ever really make those things tie in the back. And then I sat down on some bench that had paper on it and stuff like that. And then she comes in, my doctor. And she says, hey, Chris, I'm going to see your shoulder, so if you can kind of take that, uh, that gown thing off. So I took the gown, and as soon as I take the gown, my doctor looked at me, and she goes, what is that? And I said, what's what? And she's pointing right in the center of my chest. She goes, what's that right there? And she was looking at kind of a little red spot right in the center of my chest. I look at myself all the time. I never saw it, but she's got doctor's eyes. She saw that thing. And she grabs some magnifying, not a magnifying glass, but something the doctors use. And she goes, that's very interesting. I want to take a look at that. If it's okay with you, I want to like freeze that and cut a little bit of it and do a biopsy. I don't ask me. I said, you're the doctor. Do whatever you want to do. I'm fine with that. So she did a little biopsy. And everything's fine. I'm fine, fine, fine. It happened years ago. My point is this. I look at myself all the time, very familiar with myself, but I miss the obvious. I miss the obvious. And that's what this talk is about today. I don't want us to be so familiar with Jesus. I mean, we're church. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We miss the obvious. He's a human being. And his being a human being is crucial, crucial to the storyline of the Bible. Here's the storyline of the Bible. These are the seven statements that we're going through uh, in this series. God's plan for, what's that word? Bingo. 
humanity all through this, all through this. God's plan for humanity, the humans rebel. God chooses a people, it's a human people. God's human people rebel. Jesus is the king, the empowered church bunch of people. God's mission accomplished with the human people. Without Jesus being human, this is not the storyline of the Bible. His humanity is central to the storyline of the Bible. Crucial, absolutely key. Well, why, Pastor Chris? It's four points. Here's my first point. Jesus as human means that he can represent humanity as God's faithful human partner. Whenever you're trying to answer really complex, deep theological issues, go to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. They're pretty much right there, and the rest of the Bible is an appendix, pretty much. Genesis 1, we read this. No telling how many times we refer to this passage in this series. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is the plan. This is the plan. God creates uh, this wonderful place. It's like, uh, it's, like his, it's like his temple. And he creates human beings to care for his uh, temple. And he gives them, he gives them these instructions. God's plan is that he's going to partner with human beings who are made in his image so that this wonderful creation would just be fantastic. And the human beings would have a perfect relationship with him, a perfect relationship with each other, and a perfect relationship with all of creation. But there's a fly in the ointment. The humans rebel. And when the humans rebel, this partnership that God wants with humans so that he can accomplish his plan is broken. It's broken. So what God needs in order for this plan for humans to work out is he needs a partnership with a human being that won't drop the ball. A perfect human being. And Jesus is that perfect human being. So that at the end of all time, then Jesus will return and there will be a perfect relationship again between human beings, between God, and between each other and between creation. And that is not the end. That's the beginning of a new beginning. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And we live on this little segment of eternity called time right now. But most of it is going to be with God in, in, on this planet. It's going to be incredible. But in order to get there, God has to partner with a perfect human being. And that's why he sends Jesus, who is human. How are you doing with that? You follow that? Central to the storyline of the Bible. The first Adam messed up. So he needs another Adam. He needs a new Adam. 
so that he can remake human beings. That's the second point. Jesus is human means that he is able to remake humanity. He's Adam, number two. This is a point that the Apostle Paul makes in Romans chapter 5. Adam, who is, he's talking about the guy in the garden, who is a pattern, a tupos, of the one to come. That would be Jesus. Adam one is a tupos, a type, a pattern. There's going to be another Adam to come, and that's Jesus. Reading on in chapter 5, Paul makes this statement. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, that would be Adam number one, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, that would be Christ. Oops, sorry, that's Greek. The one man, the many will be made righteous. Jesus, as a human, how you guys doing? I know this is theology. Theology is extremely important, you guys. He's a second Adam. He remakes humanity. You're attached to the one. You become a sinner because you're attached to his disobedience. You're attached to the other. You're born again. You become righteous, not because of your righteousness, but because of the obedience of the type, the righteousness of Christ. How are you guys doing with that? Huge theology right there. But it's difficult. Sorry that I wrote Greek. But it's difficult to comprehend. So I thought about trying to illustrate it with some Play-Doh. This is fun. This is fun. Play-Doh right here. And let me get this going on right here. Yeah, this is, oh yeah, this is fun. The Play-Doh represents the nature, the human nature of Christ and of Adam. This represents this represents humanity, okay? Here we go. You might be wondering why we decided to go with green. We went with green because the people who work the cameras said that green would be best on the screens. <laughs> it's a deep theological reason for that. Okay, human, human, human nature. The essence of humanity is not sin, you guys. It's not sin. Adam had no sin before he fell. Jesus has no sin. Here, this would be, this little thing right here would be represent Adam. Got it? So, human nature. So, what happens is that uh, human nature just follows Adam. So, you get... This represents, the circle represents disobedience. I could have used a square. There's no sense in circles. I just could have, see that? Everything on human nature, boom. This is a type, type of human nature. There, you go, like that. You got, got that? 
Why is that circle? Why is that a circle? Because it follows Adam. So this would represent Christ. Triangle, Trinity, I thought that, I thought that was a good idea. <laughs> but you could use anything. So this is disobedient, leads to things that are like him. He is completely obedient, and it leads to righteousness. Where, where does the green get its shape from? Itself? The type. Where does the righteousness come from? Does it come from us? It comes from Christ. You see that? Not from our works, but from Christ. Because we are associated with him, we become like him. So humans need to be born again. Born again. He's remaking He's like Adam in that he is a typos, a tupos, a type. But he's completely different. Disobedient leads to sin. Obedient leads to righteousness. How are you guys doing with all that? I didn't hear you. Okay? This is good. All right. I think we're done. I think we're, I think we're done with this. You know, this is kind of fun. Here, I got one more hair like this. So a little, little guy like this. I like to make little people like that. Oh, this, this, this is Pastor Matt. Hey, Pastor Matt, how are you? Ooh, oh, oh, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I'm in trouble now, aren't I? All right. I'm having so much fun. I can't remember what the next point is. What's the next point? Jesus is human means that he can explain God to us. This is John 1. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Exeogenomai. Exeogenomai means uh, when you look at uh, the Bible and you want to try to figure out what the Bible has to say, you exegete the text. Jesus exegetes God. He explains to us who God, what do you know, want to know what God's like? Study Jesus. That's what that passage says. There's an interesting narrative between Jesus and Thomas and Philip in John chapter 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. And the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. <laughs> Jesus answered, do you not know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. How do we know what God is like? We look at Jesus in his humanity. 
And when we see Jesus, we know what God is like. That's what that passage is saying. Now, what do we learn about God as we look at Jesus? What we learn about God is that God is more like us than we thought he was. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Especially coming from me. Because usually when I talk about God up here, I'm talking about how God is above our ability to comprehend. He's like, you know, I pop up pictures of galaxies and stars and stuff like that. Just about every other message. Because I'm trying to blow your mind about who God really is. God is beyond our ability to comprehend. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is in a category all by himself. Theologians refer to this as the transcendence of God. So you just picture something like that and something that is on the outside of it. It transcends. It crosses the boundary. God crosses the boundary of our ability to comprehend. He transcends our knowledge. He transcends it. But theologians also tell us that God is eminent. That is, he is with us. And he is, he is, he is like us. So Jesus is, brings all that together. God is both transcendent and eminent. Here's a picture that illustrates that. He's like, he made that galaxy, but yet he also walked around in the dirt and dust of human history. This is our God. And what we learn about our God is that he's more like us than we can possibly fathom. And that comes in handy in so many different ways. How many of us have been around someone who is this like incredibly famous? Like you've met someone who's incredibly famous and you're like, whoa. Like, you know, you're just kind of like oh, nervous. You know, I don't know, Taylor Swift, Bono, Paul McCartney, somebody like that. It's just extremely famous. I've never personally met any of the presidents of the United States, but I think we'd all agree that presidents of the United States are very famous. I know someone here at Blackhawk who actually met President George uh, W. Bush, and her name is Phoebe Turner. But when she met President Bush, her name was Phoebe Monteleon, right here, Monteleon. This is Phoebe right here next to President Bush. Now, she is uh, in that picture because she was part of the 2007 Women's National Hockey Championship team uh, here at UW. There's actually a couple more uh, Blackhawkers in that photo. This is Tracy DeKaiser, and that's Mark Johnson. Mark looks a lot older now than he did in that picture, <laughs> actually. Tracy looks the same. Mark looks older. Let's talk about Phoebe a little bit. I said, so how come you stand next to the president there? She said, well, the team appointed me to kind of be the spokesperson for the team, and I was happy to do that. And so I said, well, tell me something about President Bush and that whole thing. She said, well, we were all impressed with the White House. It's like unbelievable kind of just to be there. But you know what got me, Pastor Chris, is that he was kind of impressed with us. I said, well, explain that. He said, well, uh, the, the people said that this is the first time that they had brought in so many teams, like 15, 16 national championship teams, basketball, lacrosse, swimming, gymnastics, wrestling, things like that. All these teams were there. And then, you know, Bush, Pastor Chris, he's like a sports guy. So he's like a runner. He's into baseball and all this kind of stuff. So he puts all these athletes out on the South Lawn, and then he, he just walks around among them, gives us a talk. And then after the talk, he's just like, you know, he just wanted to be with us. And she said, she's like, he's just a normal guy. 
That's my point. God wants to be with us. He wants you to go, oh my gosh, in some ways, you're just like us. It's Jesus' frustration with Philip. What do you say? Show me the Father. <laughs> that's, that's the point. Hey, little aside, the reason I did the hockey illustration is today is the day that uh, our women's hockey team find out who they're going to compete against in the national championship in the next couple of weeks. Let's hear it for the Badgers. Awesome. Many of us have problems with prayer because we picture God to be so, so up there and so high. And just I don't, even, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk. I don't know what to say. Stop, stop, stop. Just talk to God. Just talk, just talk, just talk to him. I mean, when you're explaining to me why you don't want to, just talk, just talk to God like that. God, I don't know what to say when I talk. I don't know how to... If you could be around Jesus, what you would discover about God is that God's more like us than you thought. One more point. Jesus as human means that he can understand me. He can understand me. The writer of the Hebrews writes this. For this reason he had to be made like them Fully human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Because he himself is suffering. He's able to. Look at the next passage, Hebrews 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus' humanity is important because it helps us to know that he, he gets us. He gets all of us. There's actually um, videos that were on the, in the Super Bowl, three or four of them, with that very phrase. It's a great, a great series of videos. He gets us. He gets all of us. It's because of his human, human nature. It's because of his humanity. He understands us. And oh my gosh. <laughs> just, do, you understand, do you understand what I'm talking about? What you're going through, the struggles that you the struggles that you have. We're not we're not talking to, about to someone who who cannot understand. We're talking to someone who gets us, who totally gets it. Years ago, when I was a pastor in Shreveport, Louisiana, uh, I had a friend who was a respiratory therapist at one of the major hospitals, and he called me up one day. His name is Bill, and he said, Pastor Chris. A tragedy has happened, and I don't know if you have time to come up to the hospital or not. I said, what's going on, Bill? And he says, well, there was this young man and this young woman, 
And they're, they're bicyclists from Norway. They're actually training to be on the Olympic team at Norway. And they came over to uh, Louisiana, because it's warm, uh, to, to just practice right through the state, flat state. And today, while they were riding, uh, a semi-trailer hit both of them and killed uh, the guy. But the young woman is, has survived. And she's up here right now, and I'm a respiratory therapist, and you think you could just come up. She has no one here. Her family's in Norway. And I said, I'll be right there. So I go into the room, and she is, she is just a mess physically. She's got broken this and broken that, and she's got scars everywhere. Just, you know, she's her bandages. She could speak English, and I, the respiratory therapist introduced me, and she said, this is my pastor, and maybe you want to, because your family is, and, and, and I just said, oh, I'm so sorry. And when I would talk to her, she just turned her head like this, she just looked away. And, and I just said, oh, I just can't imagine what you're going through. I know it must be. And then I thought to myself, Carla, Carla, Carla. Carla's a friend of mine. And years earlier, Carla had been in a car accident. And when she was in an accident, uh, she was with her mother and, and father. And a, and a drunk crossed the median and hit them head on. And Carla's dad died immediately. Carla's mom was ejected from the car. But Carla was thrown into the back of her father. And every bone in Carla's face was broken. She had broken this and that. And they had to sew Carla back up. She had wired, wired jaw. She was in a coma when I did her dad's funeral. When I woke her up out of the coma, I was combing glass out of her ear. And I thought, Carla, Carla understands. So I called Carla up and I said, Carla, there's been an accident. Young bicyclist, I told her the story. And I said, would you get up here? And Carla said, I'll be there in just a second. And I brought Carla into that room of that young bicyclist. And I said, and Carla just looked at me. She goes, what do I do? And I just said, you just tell your story. And she told this girl her story. And she was at first looking away, and then she started looking at Carla. And then as Carla got into what had happened to her, how they had to sew her face back together, and Carla has scars to prove it, you could just see the tears coming out of this young girl. These women had never met before. You could just see the tears. And then all of a sudden... They were both crying, and Carla grabbed her hand, grabbed her shoulder, and as they were crying, I just got out of the room. Because that woman from Norway needed to be with Carla. Why? Carla understood. Many of us are going through things right now that we think no one can understand. Wrong. Jesus gets it. Have you ever been in excruciating pain? Pain that's beyond your ability to comprehend? Jesus has. He understands. Have you ever had some injustice done to you that was just not right? Jesus has. He understands. Have you ever had people that you poured your life into, that you loved, 
and they walked away from you. They walked away from you. Jesus understands that's happened to him. Have you ever worked so hard you're just exhausted and you look around and you don't know, you don't think anything's really happening. No one really gets it. Jesus had, has, that, has had that very same experience. Have you ever been tempted to go away from God, to do what you want to do because you want to do it? Jesus has been tempted. He's been tempted. In every way, like we've been tempted. He understands. When I put this message together, I thought, you know, this message needs to finish with some kind of a human touch because we're talking about humanity and how, how important humanity is to God. So I thought, you know what? Jesus has got two bodies. One body's in heaven now, and the other body is, but look to your right and left. It's the body of Christ. And I thought, what, what if we did this? Many of you are in serious, serious stuff right now. Or you know someone, a loved one, who's got serious stuff going on. Whatever. I think this is time we can pray for each other. Just to pray for each other. And I want to give it a human touch. A lot of times we pray at the end of the service, you know, after everything's over. I want us to pray now. And I'm going to ask some people to come up forward, pastors and leaders here. And we're just going to stand here. And if you want prayer, we just say, get up out of your seat and just come forward. We're just going to pray for you. This is an old-fashioned altar call. And it's, it's, it's not for salvation. We'll lead people to Christ if that's what you need. But it's just for prayer. You know someone who's going through stuff that's just incredible, and you've been praying and praying and praying? Come pray with us. Are you yourself going through something that is just beyond your ability? to? You just can't. You go, I'm, it's everything I can do to be here right now. You just come pray with us. You need a touch of a human being. You actually don't need theology. You need a hug. And that's why God became a human being. It transcends our abilities to cognate, our abilities to put things together. His humanity transcends that. So I'm going to pray right now, and if you feel, just, just come forward. Just come forward. My helpers are going to be up here, and we're just going to pray with you. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your plan and for the humanity of Jesus, how being human was absolutely essential to your plan. We pray, Father, that you would help us, as we are humans, to love on each other to be people who cry with each other, to be people who hug each other, to be people who empathize with each other because we are the body of Christ. We pray this in Christ's name for the sake of his reputation. All God's people said, amen.